Old School Lane Casual Chats is brought to you by OldSchoolLane.blogspot.com and is associated with Channel Frederator, Manic Expression, The Comic Book Cast, and The Araminta Show. Welcome to a brand new episode of Casual Chats. I am Patricia, and I'm here with two very special guests who are working on this really cool documentary called Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy, The Ren and Stimpy Story. We have uh, the uh, shooter and the director of the film. We have uh, Kimo Easterwood. Welcome, Kimo. Thank you. And we have the writer and producer of the documentary. We have Ron Cicero. Welcome, Ron. Well, thanks for having us. Really appreciate it. So, yeah, uh, right before we delve more into the documentary, I'd like to know from the both of you, what was your earliest memory of Ren and Stimpy? So, Kima, why don't we start with you? Uh, earliest memory, uh, to be quite honest, was uh, just before we started this documentary, which was about a year ago. Um, I never watched the show growing up, um, uh, you know, in the 90s. I just It just wasn't part of my life, so... I never actually watched my first episode until we decided to take this project on, which was which was about a year ago. So unfortunately, I don't have some great uh, nostalgic uh, story for you, um, but that's that's when I started watching it. Wow, that's well, actually pretty interesting. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I guess you could say that. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, for uh, I mean, for the most part, for a lot of people who decide to tackle in such a subject, they would probably, you know, have like a long history with it. But it's actually pretty interesting to know about a person who's just tackling in such a big project and knowing about it recently. So yeah, that's very fascinating. So Ron, how about you? Yeah, you know, I, I was certainly aware of it. I'm probably a little bit older than many of the folks in your audience. And so I was, I had just graduated college when Ren and Stimpy came out. So I was certainly aware of it from some of my buddies that were younger. But again, I wasn't like a massive fan either. But I think one of the reasons why Kimo and I jumped into this is because exactly that. It was a subject we didn't know much about. And our friend Todd White, who was a character designer on SpongeBob, um, brought up the idea of doing the documentary. And it's like, wow, this is amazing opportunity to learn about something that had a huge social impact on pop culture, on music, on, I mean, just a wide range of um, popular influences. And so um, that's how we, we dove into the project. And it's, it's been a fascinating adventure for the last year. Yeah, that sounds really interesting, considering that, um, you know, just in more recent years, a lot of Nickelodeon programs have gotten ad adaptations on books or documentaries like the one that you guys are doing. Um, yeah, um, so uh, out of all the shows to do a documentary on, why Run and Stimpy? Well, uh, not being fans, we're, we're, we're fans of stories. And so when we started to look into Ren and Stimpy as a possible documentary, and the, the, just when we started doing research and, and all, all the online stuff, uh, we started to realize that there was a story here. And, um, and that's basically why we decided to take it on, even though we both weren't animation fans. 
like I said, we're fans of, of great stories, and we felt that this would be a great story to tell. And as documentary filmmakers, it's so hard to find subject that somebody hasn't done already. And we couldn't believe that nobody had tackled this this story before, so uh, we jumped right on it. Yeah, that's... I mean, yeah, I mean, there have been... I mean, out of all the shows to have, like, a really interesting backstory, definitely Ren and Stimpy is one of the most interesting, I have to say. Um, there was a book that was released a few years ago called Sick Little Monkeys, The Unauthorized Ren and Stimpy Story by Thad Komorowski. And he delved into the behind-the-scenes stories from the writers and the animators and the producers and the directors. And, yeah, it would be really nice to see um, a documentary version of that because I've always felt that a story like that must be told in a bigger um, medium. Yeah, Thad's book is great. You know, uh, he definitely spent a lot of time. It's very well written. I think one of the things that will separate the film from the book, if you will, is that we are really looking at why Ren and Stimpy was um, was such an important turning point artistically in animation and, and television comedy. We really kind of s- steer away from the behind-the-scenes production drama. We're going to cover it. That, that has to be part of the story. But we're really looking at it as as somebody that appreciates great storytelling and, and cinematic um, craft. Right. And uh, possibly for maybe our younger listeners who may not know about, you know, what happened to animation before Ren and Stimpy, would you like to give like a brief synopsis on that? Yeah. So what happened back in, so it was launched in what, 91 and John Kay, John Chris Felusi, who was the creator of the show and spent years pitching it it was eventually taken up by a young upstart network called Nickelodeon. And just to give a little history, you have to realize Nickelodeon was on cable and cable was like what the internet is today. It was a brand new kind of medium. And so they were taking chances. They were taking risks on animation. John went in, pitched Vanessa Coffey. Vanessa took the chance. She really was a um, a big cheerleader for the show, and they ordered six episodes, and the show was an instant hit. It really caught something. You know, it was the craft was amazing. It harkened back to the Bob Clampett cartoons of the 1940s and 50s. So, from a visual standpoint, it was extraordinary. The humor was both childlike and adult. The music was incredible. So, it was really this breakthrough cartoon, and then. Um, John, because he was such a perfectionist, had a hard time delivering the cartoon on time, and that's death in TV. You know, you had advertisers that are paying to put their message on the cartoon, and new episodes weren't coming. So after um, a protracted battle of back and forth, uh, John and Nickelodeon parted ways. Uh, Several of the people, some of the artists that started with John – kept on and and they shot or they produced another what about three seasons and so the production drama was the divorce that happened amongst the Ren and Stimpy family you had a very tight-knit group of artists and writers and directors and they were split some stayed with Nickelodeon to continue producing the series and others um, went off with John Kay at his company called Spumco so it was really uh, there was a lot of drama there was a lot of drama in the press it it got it got pretty ugly for a long time and in fact 
here it is 25 years later and some of the guys are just now starting to talk to each other it was very tumultuous yeah, I think that um, um, a friend of mine who's a writer of various pop culture books named Cassine Gaines, he had written various books. Uh, the first one that he ever written was called Inside Pee-wee's Playhouse. And um, it's funny because you would think that a groundbreaking kid show like Pee-wee's Playhouse, you would have like a lot of inside behind the scenes stories, but... Not, I mean, the people who had worked on the show hadn't talked about it until after the show was over. I mean, maybe for a lot of people, they wouldn't care about, oh, the behind-the-scenes stories of a particular show or a movie. They just care about the show itself or the movie itself. But knowing that it has garnered a massive following over the decades and it's become one of the most critically acclaimed and highly influential animated show that came out over the past 30 years... I mean, yeah, definitely that a lot of people would be interested in knowing about how did this happen? It, I mean, how did, um, you know, how did these groups of animators who are frustrated by the, um, the, the strict rules of producing cartoons in the 70s and 80s in which it was nothing but releasing cartoons about toys or action figures or movies or celebrities, they went on and, you know, helped create an original cartoon, not just a huge fan for kids but a huge fan but adults liked it and teenagers liked it and it gained a massive following it gained a massive following and it garnered more views than the other two Nicktoons uh, that aired around the same time Rugrats and Doug combined so it definitely shows that people are interested in learning about it and it's nice to know that the people who have worked on the show are willing to talk about it uh, via your documentary yeah well that's Part of the, the, you know, what people don't understand also is that that show came out when there wasn't anything like it. And that's why the show was so groundbreaking, because everything prior to it, like you said, was just about toy commercials and that kind of thing. And they were just, it was just horrible animation. And and they were, you know, just not spending a lot of time doing quality product. And so when this show came along, the timing was just so perfect. Uh, Nickelodeon was looking for a show. John had a show. Uh, there was nothing like it, and and they just they really loved what they did, and they put all their hearts into making this, uh, making this show, and that's why it's it's just so it's it's so groundbreaking. Yeah, definitely. So, because you the both of you really loved the stories that were presented in Ren and Stimpy, what would you say would be your personal favorite episodes? Wow, that's a tough question. There's so many good ones. Yeah. Um, uh, Son of Stimpy is my personal favorite just because it, it has um, just gorgeous artwork by Bill Ray in it. Um, and the storyline, uh, the fact that it's such a ridiculous storyline, but it's um, it, it, it has made some people cry. You know, it's like one of the standout episodes that actually has brought tears to some some people's eyes. So uh, just the emotional content of it and the juxtaposition of, of how silly something can be. Um uh, but made so emotional and just with beautiful artwork and music. It's just, that's my, my personal favorite. That's a great one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would say probably Ren's toothache just because it's, uh, it's a little harsher, but it's, uh, it's just so visceral. I mean, you cannot help but watch it and it, and it's hard to, uh, you can't help but watch it and, and, and cringe and really feel for that character. And it's so weird because you're like, I'm watching a drawing a drawing that's moving, I shouldn't have this type of reaction to just a, a line drawing, essentially. I mean, 
you know, it's it's a cartoon, but it's not like you're watching a, a live action or a film. Or I mean, it's just so extraordinary uh, how much both in in Ren's toothache and Son of Stimpy that you're really moved by these characters. Wow, those are really interesting choices. Absolutely, my personal favorite has always been. Um, Space Madness, because I just love the way that Ren's emotions are able to go all over the place, and also, um, I just also, uh, and of course, you have the iconic moment with Stimpy with the History Eraser button, so yeah, that's my favorite episode. Yeah, that's a good one, too. They're, they're, they, they, they are definitely hard to choose from, because they all have their own little... I, I guess little bits that 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 you love, uh, um, but yeah, for me, Son of Stimpy as an overall uh, piece, for sure. Sure. So, um, so what was so finally when you decided to do the documentary? Um, what was the process of getting started? Process of getting started um, was basically just tracking down people that were involved in the show, you know, going to like IMDb pages, looking at who was involved, um, and then starting. Ron had a uh, has a giant blackboard in his room, which is literally like nine feet tall, and we just started writing on it, um, just people that we thought we would interview, and we just started collecting names and. Um, basically a bunch of just online research. We just both hunkered down and just started to pull names of who was, you know, who worked on what and, and who was related and then <clears throat> where they lived and then who was accessible and, and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And that was basically the, the process. And then from there, we just started our first interview, which was with Jerry Beck because he actually lives about a mile from me. So um, we contacted him, and uh, he's an animation historian, and so we just started with him. We said, well, we're just going to start with him and see what happens, and that was basically our first interview, and we just started booking people after that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting to your earlier point about the production discord. You know, reaching out to some of those people initially, like Bill Ray or Vince Waller, Chris Riccardi, those were, you know, there was a number of people like that that were critical to the show's success and those were some of the people that actually called us back initially um there was a whole other group of people that were like lynn naylor and others not to throw them under the bus but uh they didn't even respond because so many people just had such a bad taste in their mouth after the split that they weren't even getting back to me and the people that did were like well let's talk on the phone first uh, what why why are you doing this documentary and are you going to really you know uh push into the production discord and drudge up all these memories and is it going to be a hit piece and you know a lot of the folks were asking those kinds of questions and we had to constantly reassure them like look we're doing this because we really want to spotlight the creative achievement that is ren and stimpy we're the the discord has been well well reported um, fortunately, it, it, it shined the spotlight away from the more interesting story. As Kimo said, that's always rough to, ha- rough to find as documentarians, and that is, um, you know, Ren and Stimpy as this work of, of pop art. Right, and of course, I can completely understand if a lot of these people do not want to get back to you discussing about their rough experiences with John Kay. I mean, trust me, from looking at various interviews and reading the book, uh, it, it's it's 
it's it's not without question that John Kay, even though that he was a perfectionist and he was trying to create a show that he wanted to do, wasn't a very easy person to work with. So I can understand that they didn't want to open up old wounds. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of it is they were family. And and several of those guys, like Jim Gomez, um, went to school with um, with John back in the Sheridan days at Sheridan College. So they knew each other, you know, when they were 16, 17 years old. Then they find success. They're all really excited because they feel like, oh, my God, this is our big shot. You know, we have these screenings and these amazing actors and um, musicians are showing up just because they love Ren and Stimpy. And we're really, you know, starting to become, as John would call them, big shots. And then all of a sudden it all went away. And, you know, they kind of felt like the captain of the ship, even though they were indebted to him, didn't steer the ship as he was supposed to. They, it, he kind of ran into an iceberg. And so... There, I think there was just a lot of disappointment, and that festered itself in a, in a variety of different ways. Right, definitely. It, it can be really hard because, you know, with with, with John Kay, he, um, from what I've been reading in various books, he always felt like he was the one in charge and everybody else was just, like, second best. Nobody can do it as good as he did. Every time that somebody drew, he said, I, uh, here's the, the same drawing, but you can do it better. Voice actors would be the same, in which they would be there for, like, eight hours, screaming their heads off, turning red, almost fainting, breaking up a sweat. It's insane, but... You know the the of course you, I mean I can completely understand with everybody just wondering about like you know in the end who was really responsible for Ren and Stimpy of how it well it turned out and a lot of people give credit to John Kay but in a sense when it comes to anything if you're in if if it's a big project everybody is a part of it they are all the lifeblood in different various ways. You have the animators, you have the writers, you have the storyboard artists, you have the producers, you have the directors, so and the voice actors. Everybody is a part of it. Sure, it may say in the intro and in the top build that John Chris Felusi was the creator of Ren and Stimpy, but I like to think that in some ways everybody was a part of it, and they worked just as hard as John Kay to create something like this, uh, similar to how... You know, with you and, um, you know, Ron, um, you guys are working on the documentary, but I'm sure there are plenty of other people who are involved with it. All the people that you've interviewed, the people who've done, like, maybe the lighting or the editing or whatever, everybody's a part of this. Yeah, well, it's definitely, um, uh, Tia Wang had said that she thought that if John could have done this entire uh, show himself, he probably would have, but it's just impossible um, nowadays, you can create a cartoon on your own in your house, but back then, it's just impossible. There's so many uh, departments involved, and so he had no choice. But um, but yeah, and and, and uh, to our account, I mean, we're bringing some of the old people back. So some of the people that did the music and the sound, we're bringing those guys back. Um, we're doing some custom animation, so we're we're definitely relying on a bunch of people to help tell our story. Right. We're also, if we can plug this shamelessly, we're also relying on the fans because we are going to do a Kickstarter on July 10th. And that is in order to give back to some of the original artists. You know, a lot of those guys, they made a 
as we said, a fair wage, but they didn't necessarily get rich off of it because they didn't own the show. So um, some of them in particular could use the work. And so that's why we're raising the money. And um, we also feel that they can do an amazing job, of course, on the animation and, and adding a lot to uh, the film as well. So I, I think this uh, documentary is going to surprise a lot of people. And I think so certainly if uh, they're big fans, they're going to want to get involved earlier than later. Oh, absolutely. The day that the podcast will be posted, I'll leave a link on the description box below the day that the Kickstarter is launched. Oh, that'd be great. We'd really appreciate it. Thank you. That's not a problem at all. So out of all the people that you've interviewed, I mean, I know this is like choosing a favorite child, but who is your favorite? Uh, Well, I would have to say, um, I think Doug Lawrence for me, he goes by Mr. Lawrence. Um, I would say he was my favorite just because he had so he had so many great points of view and um, and he just he gave us such a great interview. He talked we we he he was one of our longer ones. We did two hours with him and he had so much usable footage that we're just not going to be able to use because it's it's just it's only going to be an hour you know and a half documentary. So. Um, but I think for me it was Doug Lawrence. I, I just we just both walked out of that interview going, "Wow, that was one of the best interviews we've ever done." So uh, yeah, that'd be my choice. Yeah, you know that is a really hard question because so many people um, gave us. It was like literally a, like building a diamond. Like each little facet of the diamond was created during each interview. And um, you know, Matt Kennedy was somebody that wasn't involved in the show. But he is a curator at a pop art gallery here in Los Angeles, and he just gave an amazing perspective on why Ren and Stimpy can be seen as a true piece of pop art right alongside a Warhol or a Bangsy. And I mean, it was a really interesting insight. And again, with all these guys like Bill Ray and Chris Riccardi and Lynn Naylor and Bill, Bill Ray, like... Each one of them gave this just amazing insight. I think we ended up with, what, about 45 interviews? Yeah. And about 70 hours worth of footage. So we really are indebted to these guys and gals. Well, uh, that's why they have deleted scenes for a reason. (laughs) So, yeah. um, uh, So uh, without giving away, like, a massive spoiler to the documentary, what are some of the things that you're going to cover about Ren and Stimpy that... Um, you know, personally that you haven't seen presented in a book like Sick Little Monkeys or Slimed in Oral History or maybe not just cartoons, Nicktoons or various interviews that were presented on TV or on newspaper articles that were done at the time? Yeah, I mean, I think what you're going to see here is a perspective on Ren and Stimpy that really has not even been considered before. And that Part of it I touched on already on how Ren and Stimpy really is a a piece of pop art and why it's just as an important piece of art as a Rembrandt or anything, any other piece of art that's known as, quote, fine art. And I I don't want to give it away, but I think, you know, it's certainly not dry and it's really um, fascinating to see how a cartoon that a lot of people go, well, it's, they dismiss it like a gross out cartoon. And it's so much more than that. And 
it's had a tremendous effect on a lot of people's lives, including several celebrities that we've interviewed and who we can't necessarily name, but um, but will be in the film. And, and I think you're going to see that it really, it's a pretty remarkable piece of American pop culture. Yeah, and I would say just, uh, there's just personal stories, you know, that haven't been told. Um, you know, there's there's the, the first apartment that these guys basically created the show in, you know, um, there's stories of that and, and, um, and uh, <clears throat> Renda Stimpy um, was also in right when the L.A. riots happened. So we have some perspective of what it was like to, you know, be at the Spumco offices when riots were just down the street and buildings were burning. So we have those kind of stories. So, you know, just personal, personal stories and, 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 and sort of like the behind the scenes day to day of what it was like working there. Okay. Now, I'm sure for a lot of people, they're going to be really curious because you are talking about Ren and Stimpy. Is there, is there going to be any mentions of Adult Party Cartoon? Yes, there will be mentions of it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we won't go any further than that. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess we can uh, wrap things up. I guess, um, you know, final question right before we go. Um, you know, when... Look when looking back on now last year Ren and Stimpy celebrated its 25th anniversary and Nickelodeon did this huge celebration with having a lot of the um, people behind Ren and Stimpy talking about various stories and stuff like that I mean and of, of and of course a lot of people are giving their respects and praises to Ren and Stimpy now what what how do you see the legacy of Ren and Stimpy uh, I just see it. Um, God, that's a hard one. You know, we actually ask people the same <laughs> question. Um, that was one of our questions that we we would basically ask everybody. But um, I, I just it's just one of those things that was like lightning in a bottle that came and and uh, and it just ushered in this new era of what what could be. I don't know. I'm going to start stammering here pretty soon. Um, well, you know what? Well, I'll, I'll ape David Silverman's answer. Good. <laughs> so David was an early director on The Simpsons, and we asked him that question. And he said, you know what? You have to look at any piece of artwork from the, the legacy of that piece of artwork as to what was the influence on other artists, not only in that medium, but elsewhere. And one of the things that you're going to see happen in the film is us really connecting the dots on how many different types of art and types of popular culture were influenced by Ren and Stimpy. And so Ren and Stimpy's influence and legacy isn't just a cartoon, but it's a number of different um, artistic en endeavors. Yeah, actually, Chris Riccardi said, too, he said, look, if you take away the Beatles and Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin yeah. and Pink Floyd what are you left with you know like like uh, like what would the world be like without those uh those bands what would music sound like and so that's i guess i would i would say that's that's how i feel about it is if you took away Ren and Stimpy what would be in what would be cartoons now you know without that influence so i guess that's the most uneloquent way i can put that <laughs> Sure, sure. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to think about what would animation be without Ren and Stimpy. I mean, yes. sure. I mean, I mean, we did have The Simpsons that came out around 1989, and it was 
basically like um it, it basically what many people say it helped um you know kickstart prime television for animation and also this was around the the and also the disney renaissance happened around that time with like the little mermaid and beauty and the beast and aladdin and so on and so forth but um, you know, the, um, the, the argument could say about that, oh, well, um, The Simpsons was never meant to be a show for kids. It was supposed to be a show for adults. But, um, and, and also with, um, with Disney, um, you know, it, it also could be the argument that, oh, they're just adapting from, you know, classic stories. But with Ren and Stimpy, it was something completely original. It brought back old um, animation tricks that hadn't been done since, like, the Looney Tunes and Hanna-Barbera days in which it involved with like traditional storyboarding and going um over the and going over the script and helping and you know interacting with the voice actor letting them know about this and that and having creative control over your property as opposed to having to fight to get the rights to a pre-existing character or based off a toy or an action figure or what have you so, yeah, um, all the shows that are out today, such as, um, you know, like, um, you know, all the shows that we have on Adult Swim, um, Adventure Time, or even Spongebob, it wouldn't be possible without Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, you know, I think the show brought back in a really strong way this idea that cartoons aren't just for children. And, you know, even you know, like The Simpsons was more was more geared towards an adult audience or was from the, almost the very beginning. But Ren and Stimpy brought back this idea that you can have a kid's cartoon and embedded within it is this adult humor. And it wasn't too long after that where you saw the success of films like Toy Story and others where there was that, um, you know, kind of dual purpose. And that hadn't been seen for years and years. Right. So, yeah, um, I think that we can leave it off into the note of Ren and Stimpy, whether you like it or not, whether you think it's just, oh, it's just a regular gross-out cartoon, just remember that its importance of anim uh, in animation and in our pop culture is highly significant. Without it, the industry would be completely different than what it is now. I agree. All right, I guess that we can wrap things up. So, guys, I know you already discussed about the documentary, but where can people find you at, and where can we learn more about the documentary? Yeah, so if you go to Facebook, and our page for the film is facebook.com slash Ren and Stimpy Doc, so D-O-C, um, is where you'll find updates on the film. You'll see the Kickstarter You'll see some um, advanced interviews and trailers and stills, and there's a whole repository of things from from the film. And uh, check it out. We're also featuring some fan art, so we're asking fans if they have some Ren and Stimpy inspired art to uh, to please send it along. So Facebook.com/slash Ren and Stimpy Doc. All right, and where can people find you at? Uh, find me. Uh, well, I'm not on. I, I guess just Facebook because I, I don't do Twitter or any of that stuff. Well, so. Instagram. Yeah. yeah, so I guess Instagram. <laughs> What's uh, your Instagram at? Chemopix, so K-I-M-O-P-I-X. Okay. That would be the best way. And then also on Facebook, if you do happy, happy, joy, joy, you can find us um, there as well. Okay, great. And Ron, do you have any, uh, do you have uh, social media pages you'd like to share? 
Yeah, sure. You can find me on Facebook or uh, I'm trying to build my Twitter following. So at Ron Cicero. Okay, great. So uh, once again, Ron, Kimo, thank you so much for coming on by. I really do appreciate it. No problem. Our pleasure. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. And uh, that should be it for this episode. Let us know in the comments below about your thoughts on Ren and Stimpy and uh, if you are really excited on checking out the Ren and Stimpy documentary. That's it. Hope to see you around soon and thank you for listening. Thank you.